Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about the world of independent comics. And with me, as always, are Carrie. Hello. And Richard. Howdy. Hello. I accidentally said man Richard, but <laughs> I meant and Richard, but I guess both are correct. Um, hope you guys are doing well. We do have a big episode today. So usually, you know, I ask my icebreaker. So you know what? My icebreaker today is just going to be, how are you guys doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Good. And Carrie? I'm okay. All right. Okay, let's get started then. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, first things first, uh, we're not doing a DIY corner because we have a very big news uh, subject to talk about today. And uh, that is uh, Distillery, D-S-T-L-R-Y, uh, is, has been announced as a new comic book publisher. Um, it's from the two of the uh, former members of uh, people who have worked for Comixology, including one of the co-founders. Uh, the, um, the owners are, of this new publishing company are going to be David Steinberger and Chip Mosier. Um, as you po- probably already know, you know, Amazon owns Comixology, and then they had a huge, um, you know, uh, layoff, especially in the Comixology area, including these two these two people. I think one might have already left, but the other person um, was laid off during these these layoffs. So they decided to start their own business, and they had that experience of creating a digital first platform. So they kind of have an advantage over a lot of other people starting their own publishing companies. So there's, there's pros and there's cons to this. The, um, you know, like, and I, I wanted to kind of get, you know, basically have that precedent before we get started on this. So the, the pros definitely like the founding creators. I mean, it's a murderer's row of creators that they have got, and they're also going to be doing an anthology that's going to come out during Comic-Con. That's how they're going to introduce, and it's going to be all these 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 creators. And that's Mirka Andolfo, Brian Azzarello, Mark Bernardin, Elsa Chartier, Becky Clunan, Lee Garbett, Jock Tula Lote, Jamie McKelvey, Junko Mizuno, Stephanie Phillips, Scott Snyder, James Tynan the Fourth, and Ram V. So yeah, that's like a who's who. Also, funny enough, mm-hmm. these are a lot of the people that kind of went over to Substack when it first started too. So I think they've been wanting to have a creator-owned uh, property uh, IP way to get things out for a very long time, all these creators. And hey, I'll read anything any these creators make. So that is that is definitely a big plus. They have an editor uh, already, uh, Will Dennis, who's done, who's done some pretty great things as well. Um, but so that's definitely one of the big uh, pros. Another pro is obviously it's creator-owned IP. Uh, if successful creators are actually going to get equity in the business, which is pretty awesome, uh, there's a big presence of both the digital and print markets while not creating as big of an ecological footprint as other comic book publishers. As someone who reads primarily digital, that's very important to me. And um, yeah, like once again, the amazing lineup of talent. Um, that's all great stuff. And when I first read this article, that's what I read. And I was like, ooh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I wanted. Once again, similar to Substack, but then kind of the cracks happen, and it's there's once again like Substack. There's a big one that's kind of making me feel a little more trepidatious about this whole situation, and that's so books will be available digitally for a limited time, 
initially only a week in order to create a digital speculative market that they're also going to own. And so essentially, people, you're only going to be able to buy a book digitally for a week from distillery, but then you're going to have to go on to a distillery-owned second-party system and then purchase from someone who also bought the book digitally from them, who, you know... Yeah, it's going to probably raise the prices. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have to buy the book, you know, on a secondary market. You're probably going to get people, you know, fortunately, the speculative market is, you know, there, there's not a finite amount, it looks like, that's going to be uh, released. It's all going to be time-based. So, like, it, it, we're not going to have to worry about someone going in there, like, at 12 midnight and buying 5 million copies or something and then selling it for, like, $20 a pop. But the problem is is that you, they could also still buy a bunch and then just wait for that week and then and then basically set the market standard for that book you know secondary market wise by having a bunch of those books for sale mm -hmm. so so yeah it's the i i don't really participate in the the collecting part of the uh comic industry i i know richard you you do um somewhat you know at least a little bit you dabble at, at least and so I, i'm more than dabble <laughs> <laughs> but so so my my question um actually right before my question um i have for you i also just want to say basically these are nfts and that's that's kind of disparaging and which which makes it pretty sad but richard my question for you is as someone who does dabble in the collector's market i feel like you're more you know, able to answer this question than I am. Like, what what is your feeling about having kind of a limited, you know, speculative market on digital comics? Oh, I'm not the person that feels strongly about these things. Do whatever the fuck you want. It's gonna if it's good, <laughs> it, it'll succeed. If it's stupid, yeah. it'll fall on its face. Like, I don't do the thing where it's like NFTs, bleh. Mm -hmm. The NFTs that they were pushing a year and a half, two years ago, were obviously a money scam by grifters. Mm -hmm. If someone's able to do actual, like, proper art and, like, make it a feasible business, then me. And I'll love to participate. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like I, it's just that simple to me. But, like, I, I don't have some, like, you know, some people, it's, like, digital stuff NFTs. They have a blanket. Oh, gross. I'm like, yeah. no, let's let's see if it's good. If it's good. Not only will I probably enjoy it, but it'll succeed. And if it's, yeah. you know, just nonsense, then it'll fall flat on their face, just like these people that bought hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in NFTs, and now those things are worth, like, you know, pennies. So I have, but I no, have I mean, a question. it'd be neat to watch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have a question, though. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be mm -hmm. a distillery-owned secondary market, essentially, mm -hmm. do you think that the purpose of them doing that is to keep the prices low? Like they're gonna like for anybody who sells, like they're gonna have parameters that they have to meet. Um, like they can't like price it like at five hundred times the retail value or it, something stupid. It could be, or it could be the more sinister route of that they're getting a percentage of all the. Well, I think that's also like a conspiracy theory thing. But, but that's what, what people do, though. Like, I understand is, that, yeah. but I mean, like they haven't shown. Yeah. Themselves, I think. I, I know. to do that but, you know yeah but my my issue and it's kind of you know it, it is kind of similar to richard's if it's good it's good and i feel like you don't need a gimmick if you are gonna just put out good oh stuff. that's where you're wrong brian you, you always need a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I bet, people put do quality work all the time. Gimmick yeah, gets people's but, eyes on quality work. Like. But their gimmick is all these names, these but, big names. But I think that is unfortunately where you might be in the minority. Okay. Because you, someone like a reader like you, is going to be like, yeah, like these names sell themselves. But if you get somebody like me, who I don't know Ram V, except for like a couple of books that we've read or like uh, any other name, you know. Right, insert, and you wouldn't know him if not I wouldn't for the know podcast. Him. Exactly. But like if there's a fun way to advertise their work, that's more current for me to understand. I'd be like, ooh, yeah, I might try that, like what Richard said. Yeah. So I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it, mm -hmm. but I do understand the gimmicky part of it because that's going to get new readers over to Distillery. Okay. Like, I'm only f familiar with Substack really now because I have subscriptions mm -hmm. for authors who are um, basically getting shadow banned because they're like, you know anti-fascist and anti-racist on Instagram and so the only way that you're able to really interact with them and their work is through Substack now so I pay for a monthly subscription yeah. for these people which is fine I really like doing that but like everybody is trying to find like their niche mm -hmm. where they fit in mm -hmm. and I think that that's what these um, comic creators are doing and I I agree with you that for you the names sell themselves yeah. but i think for like 80 percent of yeah. potential customers they need they need a gimmick they need okay. something more than so, that so so yeah i mean i won't participate when, when they, when, i think it's stupid but yeah like when a comic yeah like so i was gonna say so like a lot of the names too these are some of the people that were early on the Substack trade i do think mm -hmm. that the industry's changing and a lot of times with these type of things like you know the whole history of this industry. We read the uh, the uh, autobiographical or not the autobiography, the biographical uh, Jack Kirby uh, book. Where mm -hmm. yeah, these creators are constantly end up holding the bag. They they're the ones that constantly get hosed. So I yeah. do see like yeah. I feel like it's a lot of the usual suspects that they're like, no, I want to. You know, like they're trying to take their hand at and controlling their art, which I have no issues with, yeah, like I, NFT yeah. or otherwise. Yeah, like, that's why I'm just and like a lot, and I'm I'm assuming maybe Substack isn't what it was meant to be, or or as good as it once was, because a lot of these creators were early sub Substack people, and uh, you know, like you know Scott Snyder, James Tanyan, like they were big early on the Substack trade. So I just feel like this is the next uh, proliferation of that, and yeah. also like I remember when Comicsology became a thing, and then when Comicsology became day and date with new releases. I, I at the time I remember comic people like at comic shops are like this is gonna be the end of the industry and that was like nine ten years ago yeah. so like I feel like this probably won't be a great disruptor but like if something good either good art or even a good business model comes out of it that's you know better for the creators yeah. then like yeah definitely 
yeah and, and the thing i the thing i really want to succeed is the equity part of it because because it's just one thing to own your ip but like if if like you're able to get a piece of the ownership of the business you know you right know, it, it's and also be... just with the art itself they get to double dip because like we've yeah. seen with a lot of those substack books like they sold them online digitally through the substack subscription and then you know mm -hmm. i don't know six months a year later some of those books came out in physical format yeah, exactly so, but you know, it's good for them on that end too. Yep, and well, distillery is also is going to have a physical and a and a digital mm -hmm. base. But what uh, what I like about it though is that there is that more focus on the digital. So therefore, they're not you know like printing a bunch of paper that might just go to waste. Right, and also and, when it's digital comics, like we saw using Comicsology when it was still yeah. you know the good version is like oh like same thing with like steam sales for video games it's like you can get very good quality comics digitally a lot cheaper mm -hmm. generally than you can get them physically even in a trade like yeah you know comics would run great sales every now and again it's like yeah. oh i got all these great books or like this classic book that people have been telling me to read for years at like a very decent price mm -hmm. so i feel like we'll hopefully get more of the same from distillery yeah i and, mean i and that's all the things i'm, I'm pro it's just um, you know, like, NFTs. My, really my, my issue, well, well, not even that, but my issue is that I feel that that could become the focus of the business, mm -hmm. and and then and it's no longer about creating a a good product. Is it's about creating, selling out. Yeah. Okay. And that's my because because the thing is is that well, re really quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the physical speculative market. Mm -hmm. In the 90s, what happened there was that all of a sudden yeah. the gimmicks became everything and everything was foil this and everything was, mm -hmm. you know, like special cover this. Yeah. And and then that boomed and, and then it busted real fast. Yeah. And that's what I'm afraid of if they all of a sudden this becomes like the trend. But also, too, I mean, there's and this this is kind of like the reason that we do this podcast is because there's always going to be up-and-coming indie comic artists who are still self-publishing doing the thing on their own mm -hmm. and that will always be quality work because someone poured their soul into it yeah so there's always going to be that sort of project to support i think one i think digital is not great two i think this whole thing sounds stupid I mean, I want them to make money, but I just think it sounds stupid. Yeah. Uh, like I, like I, I support. I pay for the Substack subscriptions because I want to give money yeah. in the pockets of the people that I support. But like, right. I don't necessarily love Substack. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, like, because it also they support like Nazis, literal Nazis. Well. That's besides the point. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't. Like I mean, yeah. They also, as, it's as, it's as the a, type of thing. If you want to have a free platform, then it has to be a free yeah. platform. Like and, I, and I, I I do. Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like okay. I hate Nazis, but also it's like, yeah, like it can't just be like, oh, only good things go here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, the the people need the place to congregate. Either they're going to congregate where we can see them and we can, you know, work against them. Or they congregate in the shadows. So, yeah. like, I'd rather see the enemy than, be, like... Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But and, and it's also, like, you you support the people that you can. And I I just think digital reading is stupid. I love digital reading. No, I and I know you do. But, like, and this isn't an attack on you personally <laughs> I, or anything. I am taking it personally. No, I'm just yeah. going. But, like, I, I, I think that if it becomes, like, a, oh, we're going to shell out comics, they only, to borrow a quote from my dad, shoot themselves in the foot. 
because like it's it's their names that are attracting a certain percentage of their readers. Mm-hmm. So if then if they just start shelling out shit, right. they're going to lose mm-hmm. a demographic. So yeah. it's uh, you know I mean like it, it hasn't even really like been done yet. Like it's in no. distillery up. No, it's not. So I it's mean, not starting point, until July. it's just like you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I know. I just wanted to you know bring it up because it is yeah it it's is probably the biggest independent comic book news yeah in a lot oh, no, absolutely yeah so but yeah i you know well why don't... also like i um, when you were mentioning the uh the comic bust of uh the early 90s it's not that they made all these gimmicky covers is that they made gimmicky pricey covers on things that were crap if those books yeah. were classic <laughs> like <laughs> then they would then no one would have maintained the price like no one like superman 75 the death of superman that's a gimmicky cover no one complains <laughs> about it because the book yeah. is you know an important pivotal book but the, the issue was that they were also doing that with like superman 77 like they were just throwing it on whatever Gotcha. That they wanted to boost the sales of. They were just putting a gimmicky cover and charging you a higher price. Yeah. If the stuff is quality, like, you know, the cream will rise to the top. If it's garbage, it mm. doesn't matter gimmick, no gimmick. It'll still be garbage and it'll fail. Yeah, that's true. When, when you say the cream rises to the top, you have to say, like, Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh, yeah, the cream. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this. When I said that, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, the thing funny. is that. The, um, Carrie, I don't know if you ever seen that promo. Brad has to show it to you because uh, he does the promo and he's yeah. saying like the cream. He's like the cream rises to the top, the cream of the crop, in that Macho Man Randy Savage voice. But you know, like mm-hmm. the, a small creamer that you would get for coffee. He's mm-hmm. also doing like very basic sleight of hand magic tricks yeah. while he's doing the promo. <laughs> it's fairly incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. It's, it's, like, it's like two minutes. Oh no, no, he's a world class entertainer. That man was, but like <laughs> he was also probably high on a lot. <laughs> Okay, and, <laughs> and steroids, but like it's, it's it's like a two minute like perfect clip where he's just delivering this promo about cream, the cream rising to the top, and he's also doing sleight of hand tricks. It's oh, that's cool! Pretty magnificent. That's amazing. <laughs> that's really fun. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, okay. When we like talk talking to you both about it, I do feel a little less at the edge than I was before. About okay, this. and I but I'll, yeah. I'll I'll go I'll go I'll go in, but I'll go in weary. As long as the quality is there, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, but you know what? Something you don't have to be worried about our spotlights, (gasps) which will be next on our wonderful episode, our last episode of the season. Oh, thank God! (laughs) I say that every last episode of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie and I do do not talk for three weeks after we do the last episode. Oh, I wish. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I need a. I need a vacation again. I wanted to do a lot of good stuff has come on the last like week and a half that i really wanted to do and i usually will like kind of just like push it and like have it as the next episode but since we don't really have another episode for for almost a month after this you know i'm like okay let's just do this you know now (laughs) you know so i had three spotlights this week but to make it a little less monotonous of me just talking um we're gonna split it up so i will go first and then richard do you want to go second and then carrie will go after i do my second book okay perfect all right so let's get this started um well i have a theme in my three books and it's basically great teams or great artists coming back you know working together again and doing things that uh that made them great 
essentially. And um, the first book I have is Danger and Other Unknown Risks by Ryan North and Erica Henderson uh, from Penguin Workshop. Uh, so you might recognize the names, Ryan North and Erica Henderson. They did the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Um, Erica Henderson basically did the first the three quarters of that series art-wise and did all the covers as well. Um, yeah, so if I see either of their names on anything, I'm going to pick it up. But then when I see both of their names together, it's like, okay, this is a no-brainer. I don't care how much this is. I'm going to pick this up. It's, so fortunately, not really an expensive book, but a, a absolutely fantastic book that is on the top of my best reads of the year so far. Definitely. Um, so this is a story. Basically, the world on Y2K January 1st, 2000, it ends, but it's not the way you think it would end. It basically magic takes over. Technology is destroyed. So uh, basically, so there's basically a reset in this world. And now magic is the uh, is the ruling type of, I guess, technology, for lack of a better word, um, that, that is ruling the world. So people can do magic, you know, basically um, the, uh, you know, nothing, nothing electrical no longer works, it's a brand new world. So um, what happened, though, is that there's dark magic and dark magic is destroying the world. So um, it is up to our main character, Marguerite de Pruitt, and who has a talking dog named Daisy, who's a chow, who's Aww. absolutely adorable. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they are on a mission to gather totems for their uncle in order to make for him to make a spell that will basically rid the world of the dark magic and make and and basically unite the world once again. And so um they go on this adventure um throughout these realms. Um Marguerite knows only one spell, which is an un unlocking spell. And um but whenever she goes to a new realm, the unlocking spell does something different. But it happens like a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's, it's usually very innocuous. Like she can make a pile of sand or like she makes glitter essentially, <laughs> but sometimes it actually works. And like the, uh, the spell um, actually helps them out. Um, so she's on this mission. She's not the best mage, but she's the chosen one. So she, she feel she has that purpose to go around and uh, risk her life and, uh, and gather these totems and she meets a bunch of quirky people uh she actually meets a character who looks very similar to doreen green the way uh er erica henderson drew her in an unbeatable squirrel girl which made me very happy as well and um yeah it's really sweet it's really cute it has a cool little twist in the middle or towards the end it's funny of course and it's gorgeous so you know awesome it's almost a perfect book <laughs> in my personal opinion so this um i have a plan for my my uh next five books that we're doing um on the podcast so after that i might make you guys read this this will be my sixth one so <laughs> it's pretty Sounds good though good. i i absolutely 100 recommend it okay so richard you're next on the spotlight train cool cool um this week i checked out uh no one number one and number two it's no uh slash one uh hmm. it's by kyle higgins uh brian bustolato geraldo geraldo uh, borges 
Mark Engel, Engler, and of course, our all-star <laughs> of the podcast, Hassan Asmade Alhal, because that guy's everywhere. And you're the only um, one who always gets that name correct the first time. I can never get it correct the first time. It's a wonderful name. I'm just stupid. <laughs> no, I, or, we just have reps now. <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason why. Okay. Um, so this book is, uh, first of all, first and foremost, I really, really like it. So Excellent. basically it starts out, it's in Pittsburgh, it's the setting, it's March of this year. Um, it starts out like at like a pretentious art thing and this uh, woman, like this couple's together and the, the woman's basically like, let's go get some air. And she wants to go get frisky. And when they go get frisky outside, they're like on a rooftop, they find a dead body. <laughs> mm. And the dead body is shot four times in the chest. There is a shell four shell casings on the ground, and there's a note left behind. And basically, what we what we we're like thrown into the midst of something that's already going on. So you have two separate narratives that like are intertwined. The easy one is that there's a what happened is that there's somebody who doxed a bunch of like influential people on the internet. His name, and that goes by the name No One. Mm -hmm. And basically, he he put out information about like uh, a coach for the local college being corrupt, a state center being corrupt, like all these influential people. And this gentleman whose body we found, uh, he's one of them. But what it is is that <laughs> someone after he doxes all these people starts killing some of those people and leaving notes behind and le letting them know it's like it's time for retribution. Mm -hmm. And everyone gets killed except for that state senator. He kind of skates. But the person who gets arrested for the first killing is the son of the dep like the assistant chief of police. His name is uh, Ben Kurt. His son's name is Aaron. And they're like are the main stars of our narrative, like Ben mostly. And so what it, what's going on is that his son's already in prison. And since his son's been in prison, there's been a copycat killer murdering the pe other people that were doxxed by no one. However, when the state senator gets attacked, someone who claims to be no one who has like a superhero costume is the person who staves the senator who potentially no one has doxxed. <laughs> mm. oh, wow. Interesting. And that's the big premise. So then, like, Ben, the guy who's the assistant chief of police, a lot of people want him to stand down because they hold him accountable for, like, they're like, oh, your son, they believe, people believe that his son is no one, and he killed that first person and, and then inspired the rest of the killings. So people want him to step down, and then the other part of the uh, the narrative is that the uh, the press that's covering this, uh, it's like basically ch uh, talking about the changing like landscape of media. So like the, the 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 local paper that's covering this, they're trying to get their best reporter. Her name's like Danielle Gates, or like she's let me not say the best reporter, but like she's like or excuse me, their Danielle Gates runs a uh, uh, a spinoff website from the newspaper. That handles some gritty stuff, but they're they're trying to get their best reporter from uh, the regular newspaper, uh, Julia Page, to run a podcast about the no one killings. It's a uh, no one, and then when uh, the when uh, Ben's son uh, Aaron got booked, 
someone put his name wrong as Richard Rowe. So, oh. and people think that that was part of the cover up, but it was actually like an honest mistake, apparently. So every so the person who's doing every copycat killer claims that they're Richard Rowe. Oh, interesting. But the person who is quote unquote Richard Rowe is already in jail awaiting trial. <laughs> huh. Okay. So it's really complex. So they get Julia to start this podcast about the killings and the whole no one Richard Rowe mystery. And at the end of each issue, there's a QR code so you can download the actual podcast. And it's done, the voice acting is done by Rachel Lee Cook and uh, Patton Oswalt, amongst mm-hmm. others. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's fun. She's all that. Yeah, that, right. I haven't listened to the podcast yet. I'm probably going to listen to it as soon as I get done with you guys. And then at the end of each, each issue, there's been a uh, mock Wikipedia page called Nopedia, again, about like uh, the primary character. So, like the first issue, it's Aaron Kern, the the original Richard Rowe, who's the suspected killer. And then the second issue is about Ben Kern, the uh, chief, uh, the deputy chief of police. Also, we get a page from The Edge that gives you a timeline of all the killings. Um, So Ben, uh, his wife, the mother of his son that's in prison, he died of cancer years past. And they think that's what like rather, you know, that trauma is what caused Aaron to become distant. Because before that, he was like a great student, whatever. And then like after that, you know, he became aloof, barely passed uh, high school. And then he has another son named Michael, who's a bit of a uh, drug addict and and is currently living in the street. So at the end of the first issue, Richard Rowe, who claims to be the original Richard Rowe, tries to kill Ben. And he's actually, Ben is saved by no one, by the uh, the vigilante, no one, he saves Ben. But later on that night, somebody else murders Michael, the other son who lives out in the street. And they assume that it's this Richard Rowe killer because, you know, he's connected to the father who's, you know, connected with everything. Uh, yeah, so that that's that's basically most of issue one. Issue two is just more of the mystery. Uh, we see a big confrontation between, uh, well, we see the coach for the local college get killed. And then while the police are investigating, no one is there. So there's a big showdown between no one and the police. And this seems to be like supposed to be our world. So there's no other superheroes or vigilantes. So like no one jumps off a roof and like all the cops are like, what the fuck? Because, you know, it's, it's a real world. So no one does yeah. people. Normal people don't do that. And basically the state senator that uh, uh, survived the, 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 his Richard Rowe attack, he comes to bed and basically everyone's trying to force Ben out uh, after the whole incident of him, you know, getting shot and. His son, you know, being accused of all this, his other son died. So everyone in the police uh, try to force him out. But the state senators tell him, he's like, nah, like, we could team up. And since we're both victims, like, it'd be like good politics and blah, 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 to try to, like, take this down. And, like, he, like, wants to get some sort of, like, anti-vigilante legislation and anti-doxing legislation. And basically, they're holding a big press conference about it. And then when they turn to Ben to try to get his opinion, he, uh, he uh, basically retires effective immediately. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's no, really interesting. Like you know, I'm always down for these like multimedia like uh, swings with the uh, comics where it's like, oh, you got to read the book and listen to the podcast to get the whole story. So I can't wait to listen to the podcast uh, for these first two issues. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. The art's great. The writing's, you know, I mean, Kyle Higgins and Robert Slato, they, you know, they yeah. always bring their A game. 
But yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed this book. I just decided to check it out on a awesome. whim. It's not something mm -hmm. I was hyped for. And I, you know, I didn't know the other extra components like to the multimedia aspect. But no, nah, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. <laughs> That's awesome. I love this sort is that like considered like a metaverse where it's just kind of everything it's like creating this huge universe that is so yeah exactly oh okay i, I don't just, know if I metaverse is the ter term but like okay. i i see what you're it's, saying yeah yeah well, yeah I, I i don't know what term to use but i love i love that shit i think it's so fun well to to add to all of that um well uh this is actually part of the massiverse which the is what? where we're radiant black Ready, oh, ready, really? ready, pink, and all those characters. I'm guessing that Pittsburgh um, doesn't have any of those superheroes. That's why, like, as you were saying, that they were kind of like, what? Why did this guy just jump off a building? No one does. Okay, because I've never read uh, Radiant Black or Radiant yeah, Pink. I've heard and, of them, obviously. And, and neither have I. And that's the only reason why I didn't pick this up because it sounded great. It's, it's true crime, it's political intrigue, it's mm -hmm. like up my alley. But I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to know what's going on because I don't read any other. other I mean, for, for what it's worth. Yeah. So that makes a little bit more sense because when I read the first issue, maybe there was stuff, you know, some setup stuff in Radiant Black or Radiant Pink because I definitely felt as though I was stepping into the middle of something. Mm -hmm. But I thought that, you know, I thought that was just the style. So maybe I have to go back and read those books to see maybe there is setup. But uh, the the only only like thing I'll say is that it's very wordy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like each page, like they're they, they are dense reads. Yeah. Um, but but no, it's really, really well done. Really good. The art's really good. Like just the story, I feel is very compelling and there's a lot of intrigue. But I don't know. Like I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> what? I think one of the biggest compliments that you can give a book that is like part of a universe is that you read it as a standalone and you're able to like completely understand True. it and it's good by itself. And that's what this sounds like. And, and yeah, I'm, you know, even though I haven't read those other books and I eventually am going to, I just haven't got around to it. Now it's kind of getting daunting because there's a lot of different series that are part of this, uh, this universe, okay. but I, I, this might be one of my first, uh, Masterverse books though, because this looks pretty good. It sounds pretty oh, good. yeah. Now that you're making me think about it, there's an ad for the Masterverse in this book, and I just I don't pay attention to ads and comics no. anymore. Yeah, yeah, so no. I just I just turned the page right past it. One hundred percent here do I. Uh oh. I just saw a really sad reel on Instagram. Oh no. <laughs> and it's making me cry. I'm so but the first really I'm glad good. it's just that because I had no idea what's going on and yeah. Carrie just sounds like she's crying I was just like oh what's happening over there <laughs> so I like refuse to watch up mm -hmm. because it's really sad and I hate Pixar movies for making me feel things and so <laughs> someone Pixar made a reel about apart from up when Doug the dog asks the old man he goes papa am i just a pet and then the old man tells him that he's not a pet and he's his best friend oh. that's sad that's beautiful yeah. it's really sweet yeah but i am going through a lot <laughs> things make me cry <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. The book sounds really good, Richard. I'm glad. No, it's no problem. <laughs> it's just you're like, I saw something sad. I'm like, oh, no, that sounds lovely. That's so... Yeah. <laughs> it's sweet. But... but I understand the emotion, yes. Yeah. yeah. I got a little I'm like, oh, oh, I'm expecting, like, baby murder when you're like, oh, I oh. saw something super sad. And I was just like, oh, that's oh. the most pleasant thing I've ever heard. I know. Yeah. I did get a little teary-eyed as well, though. If you guys want to mark today, I'm also starting my period. So (laughs) you cannot help me keep track. (laughs) We'll be back in 20 minutes. Next season, we're going to be just tracking Carrie's period each episode. Good, because I deleted my app. In fact, literally, I think when we come back, we'll be this. Oh, that'll be hilarious. I'll be crying again over something. Uh, Johnny looks very worried. Sorry. Sorry, Bubba. (laughs) Well... With all of that, um, I guess it's time for me to go into my my second spotlight. Go um, for it. Okay, so it, my second spotlight is the uh, Great British Bump Off Number One by John Allison. Mac- <coughs> Ooh, excuse me, John Allison, Max Seren, Sammy Boris, and Jim Campbell from uh, Dark Horse. Um, if you are like, hey, John Allison and Max Seren together, there's a good reason for that because uh, they did Giant Days or a good majority of Giant Days together and that is absolutely still one of my favorite comics of all time so just like Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and Ryan North and Erica Henderson like yeah I read this book because of who was creating it and yep wasn't was not disappointed uh this kind of takes place in Allison's uh Tackleford verse <laughs> I guess um where um the main character of this particular book was actually in um i think they were in uh bad Mach- machinery which is another uh john allison book that's very good as well um so yeah all these characters kind of know each other um but so this book basically talk is about um shauna uh who was kind of a, a mini detective during the uh during the bad machinery days um now she's a little bit more grown up and she's competing on basically the Great British uh, Bake Off, but this one takes place in a tent. It's like literally called something like bakery tent or like, you know, like cookie oven or cookie tent or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, but um, but and what happens during uh, the competition during the first day is there's a very arrogant and kind of dick competitor and that's pissing everyone off and um he goes off by himself to to prep his uh his baking and when shauna plus two other of the uh competitors uh come back into the tent they see that he's been murdered um and so now uh everyone everything's in disarray the uh, producers obviously don't know what to do because it's uh effectively a, a you know they can't cancel the show because it's like the biggest show in uh all of the uk and so shauna volunteers says hey you know what while we're cooking while we're baking i'm gonna solve your murder at the same time so basically cue to the next day where she's doing just that she's trying to uh to make uh the first competition uh you know the the first rules were basically is is uh make something that basically is dear to you uh but i make it out of cake and so she's trying to bake meanwhile sleuthing around and asking questions to the other competitors trying to figure out who murdered uh the other competitor who uh or <laughs> or attempted to murder because i believe at the no no wait never mind he is definitely dead 
but they're telling but they're but they're telling him but they're telling everybody that he's not dead that he's just sick um so so not to scare anybody or to uh make anyone get suspicious uh so so yeah it if you're familiar with any of john allison's work um he's got a real fun sense of humor and this is definitely present here uh max Saren's art so john allison is an artist himself but i feel the quintessential art for his style of comedy is max Saren. like his art is good with his, his comedy but like she's on a different level when it comes to to like the complimentary art to uh to comedy style of uh of allison's writing so like once again this is just like absolutely wonderful catnip for me because they're working together again and it's been so many years since uh we've last had giant days which we haven't done yet on the podcast oh yeah we gotta do one day because that's a fantastic series okay all right that was my second spotlight i hope you guys enjoyed that. very nice all right so carrie if you uh are okay now <laughs> you want to go ahead and do your, your spotlight okay so um i have a spotlight it's not a comic book shocker but um it is in theme with our main book today main i almost called it like a main source sorry which rhymes with course which is what we call it okay so that's probably what yeah. um i'm thinking of okay so it's called paperbacks from hell it's by quirk books it's written by grady hendrix um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Grady Hendrix, uh, he, he wrote a book called Horror Store and um, My Best Friend's Exorcism. So he's a horror writer. Um, he's been given accolades like by NPR and he's written for Village Voice and the New York Times. Um, he is a fresh voice, I think, for horror books now. Um, horror Store is basically an Ikea store, but it's like possessed. And it's uh, he uses a lot of um, like actual like real pictures of like, you know, an Ikea esque store and it adds to like the dread of it. Um, My best friend's exorcism is like um, about devil worshiping gone wrong in the 80s. So think big hair, think like heavy guitar riffs, shit like that. Um, it's a lot of fun. And this particular book that he wrote is all about um the twisted history of 70s and 80s horror fiction so there was a there was a boom of horror fiction during this time and it was all about like satanic sex cults and baby killing and um witches and paganism and possessions and demonic entities and all sorts of things like that anything that would have broken like the 80s obscenity laws of of england at the time um were probably that kind of book and um, it's something that people profited off of. A lot of um, authors got their start doing that, but then it, the wave just kind of fell off. So it's a it's an anthology about all the different books that came out during that time. And with the actual original cover art uh, he features in this and also um, just gives a quick little synopsis of synopsis of every book that he features so it's really fun um it's just if you're like me when you're like a true crime and horror fan but sometimes like the actual details within the story are a little bit too much um which I'm actually more scared of horror stuff than like that I get scared of true crime but um he kind of waters it down a little bit and just gives a nice fun little wikipedia type um 
entry of each book. So I just wanted to highlight it because I thought it was kind of fun. It sounds cool. pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And like that, the whole satanic panic kind of era is very interesting to me. So, oh, it's super fucked as, up. As, as discussed also from one of our, our past spotlights from 10 episodes ago, actually. I'm totally escaping the name. Yeah. Department of Truth. Oh, yes. yeah. The satanic yeah. panic. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. So, there we go. Yeah. Satanic panic was stupid. Yeah. Absolutely. But very, that doesn't sound stupid, though. It sounds no, like a no. good book. Good. Awesome. So thank you very much. All right. Okay. Last one. Uh, so this is just one creator, but he's going back to uh, to a subject that um, that they don't he normally doesn't do, but he did in the past, and it was absolutely fantastic when he did it. And this one is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Usagi Ujimbo, uh Where Win Number One by Stan Sakai and Hi-Fi Design. Uh, IDW is the publisher. Uh, so yeah, this is a crossover of Usagi Ujimbo and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> it's drawn and written by Stan Sakai. <laughs> it's fantastic. All I have to say is I only know about Usagi Ujimbo because he was featured on an episode of Ninja Turtles. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they have crossed over in the past, and uh, and yeah, that's how I learned. Who Zaki Ujimbo was as well is from from the original cartoon, um, and and his uh in his episode, and then you know finding out later, oh my god, it's a comic, and and like whoa, it's been going on for like decades, and it's considered like one of the greatest indie comics of all time. Like yeah, sign me up, and yeah, uh, it's it is it's one of those books that I don't even like care to mention like on my top ten list because it's like yeah, it's good, it's always good. Just read it, if, you know, just read it. You don't need you don't need me to tell you that to read it, um, and yeah, this this book actually takes place in the current continuity of Usagi Ujimbo. Um, so it has his uh, cousin like Yukichi, who's also another samurai rabbit as well, and it has like Gen, has all your favorite characters, you know, like and so, um, and then and then uh, they basically are going to be helping a uh, local shogun. Uh, kind of reclaim land from like the any, another evil shogun, and uh, but um, meanwhile they go into a village and the old the poor villagers say like we're being attacked by a kappa, which if you don't know Japanese mythology is basically like a turtle demon that lives in the mm-hmm. water that has like a little bowl of water on their head, and if they if that water spills, then they die, and um, and so but um, and so Usagi and and his little crew decide to go take care of this um of this kappa turtle and um half of them go upstream and the other half go downstream and uh usagi and um oh i'm totally forgetting her name um but she's a big part of this book uh, of the series um but they find the kappa and they start finding the kappa the other group um they they find the Ninja Turtles who accidentally get like sent to the past by Dr. Werwin, who they were fighting in the present, who's like a robot from the future. Um, so I'm I'm not caught up on Ninja Turtle uh stuff right now. So uh, on the IDW Ninja Turtle stuff. So I don't know if that's like modern continuity right now, but um I'm guessing it is. And so they get sent to the past and um 
they start fighting, of course, the uh, other group because the other group is looking for Kappas and they look like turtles and these are turtles. So <laughs> there we go. And so, so yeah, uh, that's kind of like, you know, a summation of the uh, the first issue. Um, you know, just uh, I know it's going to go in great places and absolutely need to uh, keep on reading this. That's cool. And that's it. All right. So I think that is it for our uh, all our spotlights. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining us with the spotlights of Palooza that we just had. And um, say, right. why does it sound like you're closing the show, Brian? I know. <laughs> We're just going to the next I, segment. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I mean, well, we've been recording for a little bit right now. That's the end of our show. No. Um, <laughs> no. But no, I, we'll go ahead and go into our uh, main subject. Which is a main subject that I like called Oh, it's me. Count Crowley, Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter by David Dasmalshin. See, I just can't say anybody's name. Lucas Kentner, Lauren Affey. Oh, that name's tough. Frank Svetovic. You know what's funny is that once again, just like, just like, um, um, uh, see there, I'm, I'm, Already messing up his name in my head. Um, just like uh, Hassan Asmane Alau. Alau? I, I say yeah. it correctly in my head and then I can't say it out. It's okay. Yeah. At least you're trying. And I'm hosting a podcast. But you're also not butchering it. Yes. So it's fine. But um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, this was Carrie's choice. Uh, it was. Dasmalshin, I believe, is how you say it. Okay. Let's stop okay. belabor the point. All right. Um, and, um, and so I'll go ahead and let Carrie continue and give us a synopsis and why she reads this book and we'll go from there um ahead i'm guessing so i am currently in the process of selling my soul to the dark lord (laughs) and um i really i really like um uh alistair crowley uh because he was insane so i like learning about him and so i was gonna say but he dressed silly (laughs) Uh, what i said but he dresses silly yes 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 but um and then i was gonna say i have no problem with you being a a warlock or whatever but like get a better outfit that's all no for sure oh for sure (laughs) cost my pearls he just dresses weird but um also i um so that's essentially why i chose the book because of the name crowley in it Mm -hmm. um and a da uh das das malchian he um this seems like really fucking chill. I follow him on Instagram. I love his vibe. Um, and also he's like RIL like besties with the Peaches Christ, who is a big um drag queen in San Francisco and like internationally. And she does a lot of like horror themed stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they seem to they hosted the Fangoria Awards together um a few weeks ago. So just shit like that. Um you know, like I said, I, I I like horror stuff, but I get scared, so it's me dipping my toe in. Um. Okay, so essentially, this book is about a woman. I would say, like in her forties, uh, named Jerry. She uh comes from a fa- a long lineage, shall we say, of news reporters. She has a lot of natural talent. She is um a local beat like a on the street fun type of 
uh, reporter. And uh, she unfortunately has a really heavy drinking problem to the point where she's an alcoholic. And um, she fucks up live on air. And her brother is the owner of the station, which they inherited from their folks. And he's basically like, you know, you fucked up too many times. I can't keep you here anymore. You can't be a reporter. Like, you got to go. Well, the person who hosts their, like, Friday night, like, 50s horror um, movie show is this gentleman. And he has been MIA for two weeks. And so he's like, hey, you know, like, I want to keep you on the payroll because you're basically not going to be able to, like, survive. So I just need you in makeup. And you can host Count Crowley's, you know, the Count Crowley show. And she's basically like, fuck off. So she's desperate for the gig. She doesn't want to address her own personal demons. She ends up going and she does the Count Crowley show. Again, she's drunk. She's really fucking bitter. So she is an asshole on air. Well, even though she's an asshole on air, like people loved it. They either hate her or they love her. So the station has never gotten those types of ratings before that type of call before her brother's like, fuck yeah, let's do this thing. Well, she's still in count Crowley makeup when she leaves and she is attacked by someone who is essentially a werewolf. This man was like, Oh my gosh, you said you were going to, you're going to help me and you did not And he turns into a werewolf. Um, and they get into a scuffle. She shoots him, but he slurks away. And so she's like, I'm just fucking drunk. So basically, as um, she goes through everything, there's another person that looks, I swear to God, like Frankenstein, attacks her. No, he looks just like Frankenstein. Yeah, <laughs> like just like Frankenstein, attacks her. She's just, again, she's like blaming the booze and she's like, I got to get my shit together or like, I just got to like deal with this. So Frankenstein attacks her. She chops off a limb um, and he's still around. At this point, though, I think I skipped the part. She, um, so she went to investigate. She went to investigate the person that she took over for the, uh, the guy who was playing Count Crowley and she sneaks into his house. She finds some stuff. But also there's a really cool cat yes. that helps her kind of like evade things and like is like almost communicating with her, even though it's a cat. Mm-hmm. And um Right. It's oh it's definitely communicating. Like it can't yeah. speak, but no, it's no, no, no. Like, definitely it's like, letting like, her know stuff. Yes, like def- the, exactly. The cat so, is the smartest person in the room. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so like she ends yeah. up adopting the cat and um she finds out that there is an old dude with quote unquote there was a count crawley before the current the the one that she replaced and that like he has dementia and he's in a in a senior citizen home so she visits him and he's basically saying like the armageddon is nigh but like if if these things are happening to you then it's already happening like this these specific events so she doesn't know what's going on and in her personal life like in her day-to-day life she goes to um alcoholics anonymous and i'm i'm guessing she used to like like bang the guy that was the sheriff 
Oh, or like they I, had I like think some... were, I think they were all friends. Oh, they were all friends. Like, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I really... didn't think they banged. They, no, they no. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, they grew up together. They all grew yeah. up so, together. So I was gonna say to add a little bit of context, um, for especially people that are much younger than us. So back in the day, and I don't know if this still exists in small towns, you would just have local TV broadcasters. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a period piece. Because also she seems yes. to have like an older gun when she does use a gun. Yes. Yeah. But it's yeah, in the back 80s. in the day, it'd just be like, yeah, okay, so it is in the 80s. So yeah, back yeah. in the day, instead of like you had the three national channels, your Fox, your CBS, and your uh, NBC, mm-hmm. and then you would just have local broadcasters. That's how they, they're from a family that like ran a local channel. Yes. And mm-hmm. like to just fill time, they would buy old movies and then they would do like a, have a character like Count Crawley do the wraparound, just kind of host and introduce the movies. So that's kind of like their whole thing, so, their whole family dynasty. But uh, it seems to be a small enough town because everyone seems to know each other. Everyone yeah. that she interacts with, if they do not know her personally, they know of her, her family, you know, either the brother or the their parents before them. So yeah. really quick to add on to what Richard said, and I was going to save this for the end because I get do do do, I get confused. But so... um. There is, if you, there's a local affiliate, um, at least here in California. I know it's in Tucson, Arizona, because I have a friend out there who watches it. And it's also um, in Chicago where it originated. It's called Me TV, And it buys all those old 50s, 60s, really mm. racist, like uh, old mm-hmm. shows. We have it down here too. Yeah. yeah. So at night. They're not um, all, oh, they're not all racist. No, not. Just most of, of them. The, a lot of the Westerns are. Them are a lot of them are questionable. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, no, no, no. I said just, just most of them. <laughs> so, so there at Saturdays um, at 8 p.m. Pacific, there is a show called Svengoolie. Now, Svengoolie is like your oh, Elvira, yes. your, your Vampira, your Count Crowley. It's old cheesy movies and he does skits and segments and all these things the um the iconic black and white face makeup that a lot of these people use he uses it's just, it's still we record it we watch it it's totally fun it's stupid it's great so anyways um so jerry is trying to keep her shit together because not only does she need money, but she also needs to solve the mystery of what the hell is going on. And um, she goes to Alcoholics Anonymous. She tells her brother that. Um, and everyone thinks that she's like losing her mind because she's doing all these outrageous things. Like she's getting into a car wreck and she's saying that there is like a big hairy dog that attacked her or that a big man that looked like a walking zombie attacked her. And people think that her alcoholism has gotten so great that she is just delusional now. So um, remind me where it ends because I don't remember because <laughs> it was, it was, it really, it's a really short limited series. And I thought the volume one was going to be really long and it was a really short read. Mm-hmm. So it ends with her. So it ends with the, uh, the Frankenstein guy basically attacks her at the, uh, at the uh, TV station. Uh-huh. Um, when right. she, and she uses this like uh like magic it's not an axe but like it's yes. similar to an axe but it's yeah. some sort okay. of weapon and basically she fights him off she she cuts off a couple more limbs and then she eventually cuts off her head oh, his that's head right. he, but yes. uh he turns to dust Yes. So yes, yes. basically when her brother comes into the office, it just looks like she was drunk and she tore up the place and sprinkled dust everywhere. That's right. <laughs> but that's what he tells well, that's what she tells him that he's she's in AA 
And like, she's like, I'm not drunk right now. He's like, he's like, she's like, I can't explain what's going on right this second, but know that I'm not drunk. I went to AA because she doesn't go to AA until her own accord. Basically, she wants to work and she wants to be a participant in her, her brother's family, his wife, her, her nieces and nephews. They're like, you can't be around this until you get help. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so basically the, the, it ends with uh, her killing the Frankenstein guy and getting ready to air the next episode of Count Crawley. Yes. But the Frankenstein guy basically sent a letter in the mail to, I guess, whoever his master was mm-hmm. naming Count Crawley. So yes. and it that's was where misspelled. it ended, but I, oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because he's Frankenstein. He can't oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can't spell properly. Yeah. But yes, um, so that's where that's where the book ended. I like you, like I I enjoyed the book, Carrie. But then also, like I felt like it left me hanging. Like I felt yeah. like we we're gonna get more resolution. It yeah. kind of just felt like it stopped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, I the, think that's why Brian wanted us to read both volumes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I was see? like, no, it's gonna be like and, it's our last episode. We'll just make it one volume. Yeah. No, the second volume definitely clears everything up. It's, okay. It's, it's a it's a back to back you know you know you conclude not conclusion because it keeps on going after the second volume but yeah there it's just but the it second starts, volume wraps up this uh some some of the stuff from this first volume yeah yeah you learn you learn who the person that you know who sent the frankenstein kind of monster you find out where um you find out more about the werewolf and like who killed toto the dog that's and, right yeah cool. and yeah and uh yeah yeah there's there's a lot of conclusion on this um but thank you, Richard, for coming in clutch. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you. I got you, you. darling. <laughs> I got so, you back. So, so yeah. I was gonna say. Oh. So, I really enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. What happened for me uh, personally reading it mm-hmm. though is it's actually the same thing that happened when I watched Wakanda Forever. It's like this is good on the merits. The main character is so unlikable mm-hmm. that, like, I'm not enjoying my time in the story. Ah. Like, Jerry is so unlikable with her alcoholism and her irresponsibility. Because yeah. the thing is, is this is like, um, she's an alcoholic, and she she actually understands that. She's like, oh, like I'm abusing alcohol, but then like anyone that's either tried to be good natured or caring towards her, she is a total prick to them Yeah, while feeling bad about doing it, but she won't stop herself from doing it. It's very frustrating. And then we get like a little flashback to show you how she got there to the Mm -hmm. point of her alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And I think it's there to build empathy and it does a little bit, but for me, like it was too late. Like I think it comes in around the third issue or the the beginning of the fourth issue. But like it's just like one of those things that like oh like I okay yeah I'm I'm sorry that that terrible thing happened to you but like also you don't have to be a trash human all the time. <laughs> so to, to to counter what Richard said, um, maybe it's because I'm all hashtag girl power, but also like when when I when you're reading the thing and you see how like she reacts to care and touch, I knew she already got sexually assaulted. I was just like, mm. oh, she's already a victim of assault. Like, I knew that going into it, I was waiting for the flashback scene. Mm-hmm. So when the flashback scene happens, and then you see how her whole career was, like, destroyed, and the verbiage that she was mm-hmm. told, again, as someone mm-hmm. who's gone through that, I was just like, oh, bitch, I would be in, you know, like, you're right, Richard, Every, 
everyone has a responsibility to themselves and to the people that they love to do what they can. But I think it also, and I think this is what's so cool about death, like writing, Mm -hmm. was that she was never able to work on her trauma and like what happened to her because she she was basically in the in the in the character building that I've done I was like okay she was junior reporter gold star super like super talented young reporter she's you know put on this pedestal she gets the big city gig and as a woman which again you're just like breaking glass ceilings right Mm -hmm. so she makes it she makes it onto a big a big network and she's the big person like the headliner of like the nightly news or whatever and then somebody rapes her and when she stands up for herself because she is independent because she's she's able to discern facts from fiction because she is a journalist and she tells the her her uh, bosses what happened to file a report there it's every typical well we were told that you were drunk we were told that you know that you were flirting and we were told how you dressed and we were we've seen your behavior and you know what and that's unacceptable like you need to leave and it's it's the same line that I think so many women are given when they do report assault and again this is why people who go through assault don't report it because you you will always be blamed you have more trauma reporting the assault than the actual assault and i will stand by that comment for the rest of my life the trauma that i have to work through is not from what happened it is from how I was treated by bosses. It is from how I was treated by authorities. It was how I was treated by other people who found out. And I think that's what, I mean, at least for me personally, I felt a lot more empathy for her because I was like, oh, she hasn't been able to work through this because as soon as she had to come crawling back with her tail between her legs over losing her big city gig, she has to work for her brother. You know what I mean? Like, it's like salt in the wound. So, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Everyone, you know, she needs to not be such a fucking asshole. But at the same time, I kind of understand where that asshole part is coming from. Because you just have to, you, you, you have to find the strength within yourself and the desire to want to work through the trauma before you're even allowed to work through it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just... I mean, I, I have a, a little bit more empathy for her. I, I I do think she's incorrigible. I don't like her, but at the same time, no, I'm I was gonna say, like, no. I think that I think that you're a hundred percent right. And it's one of those things that like I could be a hundred percent wrong about. And it's just no, that's just not that's how I feel. Like like it's one of those <laughs> things that yeah, I'm like, absolutely. oh yeah, like this could be this this could be a, a blind spot for me completely. It's just like I'm like, oh yeah, like for me, I'm just like and this is just general life. I'm like, yeah, there's I understand that happened. That's no reason to treat anyone else that way. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just what, and and I'm not, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. 
to have more empathy because I meet people all the time that do. And yeah. I'm like, oh, you're probably right. This is probably a blind spot for me. But it's just like one of those things that for me, like in reading it, that it's just like, oh, yeah, like I get that something bad happened to you, even when like I get the, but I'm like, also, you don't have to behave that way. No, I absolutely <laughs> agree. I just have I think I just have more empathy for her. I still don't necessarily no, like her, totally get it, you know, but like, yeah. Yeah, I, and I I think that part of the story is really well written mm -hmm. because I, I, so do I. Yeah. And uh, to the point about it being a period piece, mm -hmm. and again, I'm sure that things are only incrementally better. But like <laughs> the, the the when when she goes to report it, the the smoke filled room major oh, like it yeah. looks like it's the fifties. Like yeah. it's so creepy and yeah. so boys clubbish and like i like i'm sure that men still get away with stuff but like i feel like it's not as blatant and grotesque as it was in that meeting because i was just like oh yeah this this can't be now because like the way that the guy that uh i think his name's mike that sexually assaults her that our yeah. her, come yeah. the way he comes in like like she's having a, a conversation with the bosses like a nice sober conversation. And then like he kind of slides into the room. Yeah. He's standing behind them. And like it's so just creepy and corrupt and gross. And I was just like, I know that it's still bad now, but I hope it's not like I hope it's not this. Like, oh, oh. My and also part I think part of what triggered, I mean, in the narrative for us to get that flashback mm -hmm. is because the uh God, I can't remember his name. The uh, guy that hosted the show prior to uh, Count Crawley. Uh -huh. Basically, when she goes to him for help, she's like, all this crazy shit's happening. He's like, tough shit, because like, women you're can't be appointed. Like You you oh, can't fight God. this because you're a woman, just on, yeah. on the stance of that. So I think that basically, you know, it, it was the 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 uh, last drop in the sex is a bucket that yeah. drove her over the edge. And that's when she was like, fuck it. I'm gonna yeah. handle this myself. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely. And it right. was Vincent Frights, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you, thank you. Thank or you. Freeze, I guess is his real name. Oh, like, yeah, he goes by Frights. Yeah, but, but um, but... right, Vincent Frights. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great name. It that's is, a great name a to host. Name. Uh... Just and also, I love the little mini hosts between each issue. Yes, yes, like yes, the, the yes. Prior like, of fear. Like prior yeah, fear. yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like the crypt keepers. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah, and but um, so I. I know David Desmalshin is a, an actor, and I don't oh, know. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's he's basically in every single uh, um big. Oh, universe. I know who that is. He's the yeah. guy in uh, he's the uh, the polka. He's polka dot man or whatever. He's polka in, dot. Uh, he's, yep, in uh, the Suicide Squad, and he was he was the uh, the and the he's Russian... like in Christopher Nolan movies, right? Yeah, and he was the Russian best friend of um of Paul Rudd in Ant Man, the. Um, part of right, the, right, right, yeah. right, and um, so so yeah, um, so I know that he has that those toes in like you know in storytelling and in, in Hollywood and everything, but I don't know, you know, what he has written before this, but this is does not feel like a freshman effort. It doesn't feel amateurish. No, no, it doesn't feel amateur at all. Wait, what? I, d I didn't recognize the name, like, you know, when obviously when I read the book. And then mm -hmm. as soon as you, you know, clue that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when those movies were coming out. People mentioned that, like, he was going to write some stuff. Yeah. For comic wise. Also, um, he in the very in the first Dune, he has a very brief part 
as basically the, the like the consigliere of the Harkonnen clan. <laughs> but then, but it um for those who have read the book, they know that that part because you know that part becomes it becomes very bigger. much bigger in the second half of the book, which is filming at this time. I believe. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, but I mean, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Jerry is horrible, yeah, and Jer- I, and I'm that's... sure she'll have a great character arc. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. No, right, that... right. I... What? Yeah, I, I like like as someone who has read the second volume, mm-hmm. um, like his progression of like absolute like self destructive and you know cantankerous Jerry, you know, kind of going through her own shit as well as dealing with other people's shit. You know, you get some major c- character growth, and like she's not completely there yet <laughs> after oh, yeah. the second volume either but like you see it and that's what's so great about it is that like like it's believable and it's it's palpable and it's like you can tell it's happening and and it's real but you know like you know it's also very much like a a fun book to read you know it's it's not all about you know self-help but you can <laughs> tell you can tell though that you know there's experience in in that manner when it comes to like you know working on your own shit and like because there's no one else that's going to work on it except for yourself and she's she's doing it and like um and like she's you know she's putting the work in by going to aa and she's you know fighting monsters so is it is it aa and i could be so fucking wrong but isn't that like christian base i yes it is yes which i think is yeah really funny yeah because it's a christian it's one of those things that because i think it's not affiliated with any specific sector church mm-hmm. but basically the person who started it was super religious and was like the only reason why i was able to find the strength to get past this is you know through like the love and strength of jesus christ so when you go to an AA meeting like it's very give yourself like again they don't tell you go to the protestant church or the catholic church yeah but it's very much that like you need to give like redemption and help lies with a higher power yeah is basically the i like i i when i when i was in college i went to an aa meeting as part of a psychology class and uh when they found out that we were part of a class and not there for actual aa they were very upset that we were there but you know they let us stay <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went to a meeting and like it's very much like, hey, come and tell your story. Like it, it feels very secular walking in, but if you stay through the whole thing, it gets very much like, hey, give give your life to Jesus. You know, it's Jesus specifically, um, but like not a specific sect of a Christianity that it's like affiliated with. So so there is kind of a juxtaposition because she's dealing with like the supernatural. Yeah, artists. that's yeah. Of the world. And oh, but the, uh, the last page is that she notices at the next AA meeting mm-hmm. the uh, gentleman that's the werewolf is there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she realizes that that he's been uh, at least at that meeting, maybe not the meeting before that, but um, but and that de- definitely comes up in the second volume. Um, it's actually really mm. cool, kind of a fun little twist that, <laughs> that happens in that. But um, really quick. Uh, we've been talking about the writing, um, the artwork. I oh, so good. It's 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 perfect for this story. Mm-hmm. It's it's that you know mm-hmm. it kind of like I feel Dark Horse makes some of the if not like the best like 
horror in comics and they have kind of like a style and feel to it and like which is not really like a you know like a you know a specific look or anything per se but it's like it's a feel of quality and like the coloring is great it has that kind of that fun like 60s or like like pre haze code like um like like 1950s and 40s like you know horror comics okay style to it mm-hmm. you know like t- like what we were talking about like last week with like bad magazine and stuff like that like what they were doing before they got they got in trouble with the uh <laughs> with with the publishing uh censorship and so like and and that to me like this this book definitely you know is a period piece in the 80s but it also has that kind of fun cheesy 40s and 50s like horror comic feel to it as well mm-hmm. and that's that art is definitely you know synonymous with that style yeah of, and, of a comic and the so. coloring is great the yeah. lettering is great every this is a pretty mm-hmm. like good creator team yeah and for yeah it being like a one-off project maybe this is yeah pretty it's a like, pretty incredible piece of work um he actually makes a cameo in the book uh he's that he's one of the people trying out um to be uh to to be yeah, the he has a very Rally. specific look um, in real life he, he draws um he he dresses up like that character sometimes with like the buck teeth and like the, the you know oh, kind of like a, like a buck tooth vampire essentially mm-hmm. and um and like that's like his own character that he does every once in a while um he has a count crowley um instagram and he also has like his own like you know self instagram Mm -hmm. but um but yeah especially on the count crowley instagram he does a lot of like fun goofy things to kind of promote the book and and stuff and like he'll do he'll do like interviews with podcasts as the character (laughs) as well which i think is oh nice yeah this yeah i was gonna say just with the uh her count crowley design like i just kind of love it because it's like uh she's like punk rock and virus because it's yeah. kind of hot, but also it's kind of like, oh yeah, like you're kind of grunge. You're like yeah, <laughs> she yeah. has like the the torn up fish that's like it's a really cool design. It, it is. is like it's and, hot, but it's also and, uh, one thing I feel like it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hot but stinky. And one thing I feel like it does well, uh, the artist is that uh, facial expressions because like yeah. like there's times that like when she's like an alcoholic mess that like they need her to look frumpy or like you know just the details on the faces like mm-hmm. it's very like great expression like when people are excited we like our when she goes to see vincent frights and he's like super dismissive of her there's so much expression in the face that really conveys yes. that yeah um you know the the scene where she she got pulled over by the cops and she's waiting outside the little mm-hmm. store and her brother and then his bitch wife and the two kids are driving past her. I'm gonna yeah. pause you right there. I don't know if she's a bitch. I know that she's upset, but like, yeah, I have a whole family. Like, like, like our whole livelihood is getting fucked up because you can't get your shit together. Like, her, yeah. she's not. She's not nice about it, but I think she is. Uh, she's up. right in her uh, in her rage. Yeah, but. <laughs> I, I, I do like how the entire station wagon was dogging her out, though. That's pretty funny. When when they pull pull up, <laughs> everyone in the station. Yeah, the kids were so excited yeah. to see their crazy ass yeah. aunt, <laughs> and as a crazy ass, who's aunt, getting arrested I, at the time? Yeah. 
I appreciate by it. By a friend that they probably also know. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like... Right, 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 because it's a small town where everybody <laughs> yeah. knows everybody. But like, I, oh, I totally get Like, she's like trying to rate... Like, I'm, I'm not going to say she wasn't being a bitch, the, uh, the, 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 the sister-in-law. Uh-huh. But like, I felt that her rage was very much justified because like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Exactly. Because because it, it, it it's affecting her marriage and her family. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. But I still think right, right. And the thing is, is that she even sounds like, like when she's bitching her out, she's like, if you want to like be a part of this family, like you have to get your shit together. And I feel yeah. like that's not an unfair ask. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> like they're like the thing is is that. But uh, again, with the facial expressions, like for the moment you see her, you're like, that's a bitch. Because like, (laughs) (laughs) she has like a scowl on her face. Like the thing is, is that if if, uh, Jerry was a more sympathetic figure in her behavior, like like, if Jerry was less of a mess, then we'd be like, oh yeah, that character is definitely a bitch. But the fact that like, oh no, Jerry really is out here fucking up. I'm like, I'm totally upset too. (laughs) And, And when that moment happens, she's literally trying to shoplift liquor in the squad car <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, right 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 she just shoplifted liquor <laughs> yeah exactly and uh but and well speaking of like though um i i love well i i think the true mvp of, of the comic is the cat but of besides that i love james aka jimmy like how like because of that familiarity of the town, everyone calls him Jimmy, which was like he went by as a kid. And now that he's a sheriff, <laughs> and he he's like, no, no, I'm James yeah, now. Like, come James on. <laughs> but everyone still calls him Jimmy, mm-hmm. and eventually, like in the book, he's just like kind of like, yeah, okay, fine, I'm Jimmy. You know, like whatever. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, uh, yeah. All I, right, I'm gonna play a dangerous game because uh-huh. Brian's read ahead. So Brian, just don't say anything because. I don't know if you can handle yourself, but I feel like that the cat might be the uh, original Count Parali. Hmm. Very interesting. That's all I'm going to say. What? Say okay. that again? That the cat might be the original Count Parali. Because remember, she goes to his house, and the cat obviously is either was previously humid or has some sort of level of intelligence that it's pointing her in the right direction for stuff. So I thought maybe like the other cat crawly that no one seems to be able to find or no one knows where he is. Maybe he got turned into a cat. That's a good, a, a good theory, definitely. That's what I was thinking while the whole time while reading it. And like the cat actually helps her out, yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. when she's being attacked by the Frankenstein, it bites the Frankenstein. And she so finds she, the cat the, definitely yeah. knows, you know, is definitely aware of what's going on. Like the cat knows what's up. And like, oh, even and the cat even uh shows disappointment in her. Like, like yeah, exactly. Even times. the cat, the cat's mad. Um, cat, but, like, like the cat sees its alcohol, her alcoholism, and like kind of like frowns at her. <laughs> I, I love it when when she's trying to show that the hand to prove that she's not like you know crazy, Insane. and then, and the hand's gone, and then like the the brother looks in the the car, and the cat's like it's the only thing in the car besides like the mess, uh-huh. and then there's like. And whose cat is that? Whose cat did you steal? Oh, yeah, you and you stole his cat. Yeah. It's like you stole his cat. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm like the the the, the wife isn't overreacting. You just yeah. stole booze. You stole a cat. There's a broken <laughs> bottle of liquor in the car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, isolated that that evening doesn't sound half bad you stole a cat you stole some alcohol <laughs> you wrecked your car yeah exactly you shot something with the silver <laughs> uh, it's not horrible yeah. 
pretty cool. Well, I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I I've no, it's definitely an enjoyable book. Yeah, I hope we get to do the second volume as well. And it's it's also equally as fast of a read. It's fun. It's it's good. It's brisk. It's fun brisk. to read. Maybe maybe David Desmalchen will come to our and do a uh, a podcast with us. That would know. be incredible. <laughs> I, I I doubt it. Yeah, with our schedule's been lately, it's been kind of hard to do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, um, so I'm glad that you know everyone liked it as well. Yes. And um, do you guys have any final thoughts before we close this one up? No. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, my final thought is that in Jerry's alcoholism, we do see her hook up with some random strangers. And Jerry, like you're oh, an attractive yeah. young young woman, you can you you can pick better people to hook up with. <laughs> yes, but she's self destructive. Yeah, is part of that. Yeah. Whole... Uh, I. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I like I liked it. It yeah. was good. I hope people read it. Yeah. Just know that mm-hmm. it uh it deals with some heavy themes. Yeah. So if that's something that's triggering for you, then maybe it's not the book for you, but. But it's fun. Or watch Sven Gulli on MeTV. Yep. In totally fact, fucking fun. There's a um there's a book, it's a standalone where where she teams up with another like, you know, like monster hunter um from another comic and they go to a uh, a horror comic convention and Sven Gulli plus a couple other uh of the famous one, uh people who do the host hosting are there yeah. at the at the pod or at the uh the convention. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um but yeah. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I have a little ooh, like, because uh-huh. I remember something. What? It's our last episode. It is the last season. episode. So you know what that means? Yes, I do. The question that we like to ask at the end of every season, which is, what was your favorite comic that was the main subject during this season? And so um, I know I'm springing it upon you guys, but uh, does anyone have a, an immediate answer or? Oh, I, I assumed that we were going to do this. So I had my answer ready. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm on task, people. Yes, uh, yes. For way me, more than I am. I feel like uh, I feel like we read a lot of books that I really enjoyed uh, this mm-hmm. season. But the book, and I, I think just weird crap sticks with me. But uh, Black Hole is the yeah. book that like stuck with me the most of all the stuff that we read this season. I feel like that should be optioned to be like. It doesn't need to be Netflix, but like a series, because like I feel like it would be a great series, like twelve episodes, fifteen episodes, but like something that like you know is a one season. Like it's made for how we make TV shows now. That it could just be one really good season of television, and like you know, don't make any more. Like the story's right there; it's really good. Just adapt it and be done with it. But like I thought it was really fun, and then the reveal at the end that like. Oh no! If you just wait, wait this out. Everyone's gonna be okay. It's just like oh, and like the way that they gave it to us, that like it was just kind of like a throwaway line in the book. I was just yeah. like, I was just, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. It was very weird, very trippy. How the 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 main character was like very like cool with the STD people. Like he just didn't care when it was time for him to like get laid, and she was just like, um, I have a tail. You're gonna catch something. He just pe- plowed what right through. It was just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. It was strange. Uh, and I just recommend it to anybody. Because, like, I'd never heard of that book before. Um, you know, there's a lot of books that we cover. Like, you know, I've heard of it, just never got around to it. But, like, that book just came out of nowhere. And I really enjoyed my time with it. 
my heart is bursting. She's dancing because literally. A Carrie oh, because that was one of your picks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so yeah, no, no. I really enjoyed it, Carrie. Oh, and yay. the funny thing is, like behind the scenes, is that we were supposed to do um Strangers in Paradise that week. So like I think yeah. we switched it the very last minute. And mm -hmm. then I was just like, oh, okay. But it ended up being a great choice because it was my favorite book of the season. <laughs> and we still did Strangers of Paradise as well, which yes. was and we still did Strangers of Paradise, which was excellent. Yeah. Like yeah. if it was another season, that or the uh the uh Jack Kirby book would probably be like my pick, but like I don't know, just yeah. black hole really stuck with me. That makes me so happy. I, I, I said it earlier this season, but this feels like our spotlights have been like oops all bangers. Yeah. Like like we did a pretty mm -hmm. good job. Yeah, our, our main subject, at least our main course. Okay. Um, but yeah. Wait like, for me. You go first. Okay, so my favorite book was Ashes by Alvaro Ortiz. Do I get a dance now? You get a dance too. <laughs> um no, it was a, <laughs> it was a really, really good book. Um again, one of those things where the characters aren't extremely likable at the beginning, mm -hmm. but you kind of just learn about them and what their individual stories are and how it's all kind of fucked up and how they come together. And it's a, it was really and some crazy shit happened, yeah. but this is just really nice. I I liked it, and I and again the ending is very so, sweet where they actually get their dream. Mm -hmm. So Carrie, when you said ashes, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" It kind of for I forgot about it, and then as soon as like you said it, I can remember. I was like, "Oh yeah, that was really awesome." Actually. Yeah, that was a good that book. Was really, really good. And it was like the book with the darkest shit, but like the way it was drawn, it just didn't yes. feel that dark. Like I know we've had a few books like that in the past, but like mm -hmm. just the art style, of, like um, there was a drug deal that turned into a double homicide. But yeah. I didn't feel very bad about it because it was it was it's drawn so, so pleasantly. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Cohen's it's a Cohen Brothers movie, but in comic book form. You know? Yeah, so it's very cool. Um, yeah, but that was my favorite book of the season. Awesome. Well, we're Richard. Awesome. You get the dance, Matt's, because I um. Why? What happened? Jack Kirby, it, that book. Wow, we all got each other a favorite my, book for favorite. Christmas. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, like, I like bio comics, you know, hands down, definitely a lot more than bio pics and bio TV shows. But um, but yeah, bio comics, I I usually love, and this one was even like more of an exceptional love that I had in like, you know, it goes through the history. It, it it's it's definitely has a little bit of a um you know kind of a learning curve on there in there where like you know like someone who doesn't really know like the history of the comic book industry in America might need a little more of a primer. But like right, I do feel like it probably adds more to that book if you know a little bit of the history coming in. Yeah. But it's still it's it's so well done that even if you're kind of lost at some moments, um, because you don't get some of the references, like what what timely is or who national comics are and stuff like that, then like it's you know, it's still a great read. It's still fun. It's very interesting story, like and the art was fun and and just I mean it's it's just amazing like what kind of life kirby you know led himself like he led a, a comic mm -hmm. book like life you know like a, a you know something that someone would write fictionally in a comic and it would be very interesting and yet yeah, that was his real life you know i mean having to draw maps 
you know, go in, go into a town in World War II and draw a map so everyone knows where all the the bad guys are. You know, it's like yeah, you're, you're the first person in, and you're going in alone. Yeah, exactly. With basically a tiny gun and like a pen and paper. You know, like, like seriously, and like you know, and just stuff like that. And then like you know, the whole Stanley stuff, and like and his wife Roz is absolutely adorable. You know, like it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah, just the book was so well done. And so I was very, very happy that we got to read that. So, no, but. definitely. It, uh, it, it, I feel like it presents everything, warts and all, um, but it's very fair about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And just, um, I, yeah, I guess also to the point that you're making, yeah, it just helps if you have a little bit more context beforehand so you know all the players. But that said, yeah, yeah, it's a really well done book. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know much about Joe Simon. And then like just reading the book, maybe like go, I'm gonna I'm gonna like at least dive into the Wikipedia page about Joe Simon because he sounded very interesting as well. Yeah, I, I and I didn't know about yeah. like the level of the relationship with him and Jack Kirby. Also, yeah. I didn't know how much they bounced around. Like, you know, most mm-hmm. of what I know of Jack Kirby is Marvel Age 1961 on at you know afterwards exactly. but I didn't know how much that they bounced around like that they <laughs> they drew they drew and wrote Captain Marvel like was it number one yeah and they the... thought it was going to be crap so they didn't put their names on it like, exactly yeah which is the character <laughs> that, that, that Jack Kirby was like a freaking uh ghost artist and Joe Sullivan was a ghost writer for one of the most like important books in uh comic book uh, history yep. and the reason why they, they were ghostwriters is because they didn't believe in, in the product yeah and <laughs> just happens to be the the character that outsold superman <laughs> i mean yeah it's insane yeah so <laughs> wow but yeah the um so yeah so i'm glad we we, we all had someone else's uh pick as a, as a favorite that's pretty cool that's really that, cool that's a, that's a sign of a good season too because there's just so many good things i was gonna say sign of a good season also sign of like uh people just putting good art out there yeah no matter, absolutely again like what we we're talking about the uh with the uh distillery stuff is that yeah if it's quality like yeah <laughs> it'll be quality you know these people are putting out good art and you know we just happen to pick it all in the same season <laughs> my my list of like books to do is just growing like every day because there's so much quality out there and so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and like, like, I'm not surprised that we have like an oops, all bangers like uh season because <laughs> it seriously is, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot less surprising than a all, oops, all pure crap. <laughs> like, like season would be because really really like there's a lot of good stuff to read and we're here to help you guys find it that's what we do for the podcast so yay podcast yeah all right well so i think that might be it if you guys unless you guys have anything else and we'll no we'll sign off for let's now. wrap her up i will we'll, we'll say i mean if we want to just give a good shout out to you know so many things like gender queer memoir that yes was that was wonderful um, mm-hmm. We read uh, Strangers of Paradise that we already mentioned. That's excellent. Also, uh, since we read Strangers of Paradise, uh, Terry Moore has, I don't know if it's because we did the podcast, but I feel like he's on my timelines, like, you know, Facebook, Twitter. Like, I just feel like after reading the book, his stuff appears on my timeline so much more. <laughs> and, and we had but the, like, yeah, uh, the chuckling what's it was neat. Oh, yeah. yeah that, I was, really that was another that. weird book. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, cool. that, And that was another strange one. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. And then, like, we read stuff that was closer to the more mainstream. I picked, you know, Deadly Class and Private Eye Volume 2. But, like, yeah, it's just been an all, like you said, an all banger season. Yeah. So and many our, good books. And our, uh, and our, and our uh, April Fool's episode of New Frontier. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a fucking like, darling Yeah, 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 yeah. We read, yeah. A, we read an all-time co- classic. Yeah, so. yeah literally. <laughs> arguably with the greatest comic ever made. Like, like seriously. <laughs> So, well, on that high note, yes. we've reached the end of the show and of the season. We'll be back at the end of May. End of May. Okay. So thank you to everyone listening to our show. Uh, check us out. Instagram, Twitter, Good Pod, CDB Pod. For the book clubbers, uh, see you later, bitches. We'll do this one in four weeks uh, on Fridays when we announce uh, the episode's main subject. And on Instagram, you can follow along. If you want to join in on our conversation, you may meal a meal. You may email us at comicsdeservebetter at gmail.com. Richard, where can we find you on the interwebs? I'm uh, at TopCat360 on almost everything. It's the basketball playoffs. It's been really good so far. My team lost today, but just generally, the playoffs have been pretty awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Is, Is this the first time ever that all four California teams are in the, the playoffs at the same time. Um, you know idea. what? Maybe because I, I, I don't know for sure, but uh, both the Kings and the Clippers have like historically had these long stretches where they've been yeah. awful. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, this might be the first time that said, um, if the Clippers and the Lakers play each other in the playoffs, it'll be the first time that that's happened because they're so rarely good at the same time. Yeah, which to say that the the Lakers were good most of the time, and the Clippers were awful most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yes. one was always good. No, that's what it was good. up until uh, yeah. uh, up until recently. Like in the last ten years, the Clippers finally got good while the mm-hmm. Lakers were on a downswing. But mm-hmm. like the 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 thirty years prior, it's just Lakers dominance and the Clippers were a joke franchise. So. Maybe yeah. we'll finally get them to meet in the playoffs. So that should be neat. That is very cool. <laughs> that would cool. be very cool. Definitely. And and an all-star cast as well, because I mean Clippers yeah, yeah. Like they have, have a lot of good named players. Yep, absolutely. And Brian, where can we find you? Brian underscore CV on Instagram. Um, I just normally do my posts as usual. It's also NHL playoffs. And Ooh. my team, the Golden Knights lost against a team that they shouldn't be losing against but oh, shit. um we'll see what happens oh, and, uh, my team my team got possibly or not possibly the greatest regular season hockey team yeah. in the first round as their draw so <laughs> that should not end literally, well for us literally the the uh the boston bruins broke a record that no one thought would ever be broken which is like the most <laughs> wins in one se- in, a, in a regular season so yeah unfortunately the panthers have to play them in the first round <laughs> someone said y- usually the best team in the regular season like falls on their place like pretty regularly in the NHL playoffs. Yeah. It just doesn't look like it's happening this year in the first round against yeah. uh, my Florida Panthers. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, if, if uh, the Panthers had drawn the, uh, the, the Leafs who, you know, annually fall on their faces, that would have been choke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, it, it'll be fun. We'll see what happens once again. Um, Connor McDavid, you know, is in the playoffs, which is always great, even if you're not an Oilers fan, because he is the best player in hockey. So stuff like that. You know, it's good Very stuff. cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. Bring us home, Carrie. All righty. Yes. For Richard and Brian, 
I'm Carrie, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Remember, comics deserve better, and you all, you guys deserve comics. Bye! Later. <laughs> yeah. Just up?